This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. kitchen and from Tampa by God, Florida. It's another episode of Woo Nation Uncensored. I'm Mark Madden. Without further ado, let me introduce the star of the show, the 16-time world heavyweight champion. He is the nature boy, Ric Flair. And Nate, I got to open today with a real tough question. What the heck happened to your Michigan Wolverines? My pep talk didn't work. <laughs> That's right. You spoke to the team before the game, and uh, I did. I spoke I guess to the it team. Wasn't all that inspirational? I well, I thought it was at the moment. It sounded good, but you know, I got a nice text from Coach yesterday, and um, there's no shame in making it to the Final Four in football. So they didn't win. I don't know whether it's SEC speed, very similar to when Florida played Ohio State a couple years ago, or back when uh, Tebow was there, but. You know, it's just hard to keep up with those guys that all run four fours. Well, yeah, there's no disgrace to losing to Georgia. I just kind of feel like the SEC more than ever has taken over college football. You got two SEC teams in the final. And while Alabama beat Georgia in the conference championship game, I think that's going to be a tough task twice in a row. Well, I disagree only because I don't think Kirby's smart. I think Nick Saban, this will be four times. In the last five years, I believe that they'll play each other. I think Saban's got his. I I think uh, that you know some coaches own other coaches. I think, uh, and I actually I hope I'm wrong, but I uh, I hope I think that uh, Saban owns Kirby. Yeah, that that may well turn here, out to be true. Here, yeah. Well, I think after a while it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You beat the team, and you beat the team, and you beat the team. And you just keep beating the team. Uh, that's like Ben Roethlisberger. As we tape this, he's getting ready to play his final home game tonight against the Cleveland Browns. And he's 25-3-1 lifetime against the Browns. I mean, the Steelers have always been better than Cleveland during Roethlisberger's tenure. But but how does that happen? It's just one of those things that occurs in sports sometimes. Yeah, but I think the, the whole Pittsburgh team isn't what it has been in the past either. You can't put it all on Roethlisberger, you know what I mean? There's more components. And I don't, I certainly think Mike Tomlin was a great coach. So, but, you know, they're, I think the Steelers are in a rebuilding process. Yeah, they don't think so, which is, is part of the problem. They they never think so. But uh, moving on out of wrestling, Nate, I'm afraid we jinxed somebody last week. We said how good Tony Storm was. And yeah. now she has since left WWE, supposedly because she asked for her release uh, mm-hmm. I was disappointed to hear that. I think she has a lot of potential. Uh, as was I. I. I had no idea. I just, you know, as we're doing more and more of this, I was, uh, I looked up at um, 
I looked at the wrestling news and I saw that she had asked for her release. So, yeah, why did she do that? Uh, from what I've heard, just because I'm, you know, I can reach out to different people. I think she just, she was exhausted. It, it's an unbelievable pace, and it's something that very few people can run that hard at for, you know, for a long period of time. And she had gotten herself in that mix where she was in, you know, long, really, really competitive matches, not just on TV, but on the road as well. Yeah, I'm sorry to see it happen. I, I wonder what her plans are for the future because I, I think they all think they can get hired by AEW, but they already have 15 pounds of sugar in a 10-pound bag. Yeah, I have no idea what they are. Maybe she should go home, take a month off, catch your breath, and, you know, come, come right back in. Who knows? Now, I want to talk about a legendary performer that very few people know about, but you and I do. Keith Mitchell just retired the as greatest. a producer for AEW. He did 40 years in wrestling mm. with world-class WCW and Impact before AEW. And he really changed the game, didn't he, Nate? He was a, a revolutionary for TV and wrestling. Absolutely. I met Keith in Dallas in the 80s. And the more I was around Keith, I called Jimmy Crockett and I said, Jimmy, you got to bring this kid to Charlotte. And Keith and I became friends. He came to Charlotte and ran not only Crockett for about, I want to say 10 years, but then he ran a, a WCW all the way until they closed down. Keith is a, you know, I, I, you'd always want to think of Kevin Dunn as being the greatest in that industry, but I, I can't say that I can, because I don't know, I know enough about it, but I certainly rank uh, Keith Mitchell as one of the top all-time wrestling producers. I've only known a few, but, and that should mean that if I know their name, they're really good. Well, yeah, I think that, that Keith, like I said, he was a revolutionary. Uh, yes. When he was with World Class, he brought cameramen on the ring apron. He changed the traditional production, he made world-class really different and hip. And yeah. I think that's where he made his name, like like you said. Well, he made that video of Kerry riding a Palomino on the beach to, to the Rocky music. And that was, that was something that any wrestling fan from the 80s, if they didn't see that, it was phenomenal. Kerry's riding a Palomino bareback. He's got the Tarzan loincloth on. They're playing the Rocky music. It was spectacular. We're going to talk about the Von Erics in just a moment, but I don't think most people know how important the producer is, Rick. Like I said, it, he's the unsung hero, Keith, more so than most, but how important the, is the that? Produ talk? The producer, just like the announcers, can make or break you. You have, you have well, no I idea. Keith, the, I think uh, Keith made world class. I, I think of a I do too. And, I, and, I, and, he did, and he made WCW because they make decisions on the truck. You know, they call the camera shots, they direct the show, not in the way that Vince or Tony do, but they, produ they, produ they produce the shows, tell the cameras where to be, what to focus on. They've got the lineup in front of them, just like Vince would and Gorilla looking at everything. And the, yeah, the producer and the, 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 the talent that it takes to be really good at that is uh, amazing. No, and damn I, it, I that Keith, and the only downside to Keith is he's a Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> well, I'm not sure there's a downside to that this week, but uh, but uh, but we'll see what happens against Alabama. Now, I want to talk about some of the things that happened in wrestling this week, and let's start with the AEW show on Wednesday, Dynamite. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of the few Dynamites I really haven't liked. They it was too crowded. It had a 
10-man tag and two six-man tags. And I don't like matches like that in general, but when you have three of them on the same TV show, like I said, it's a bit much. Well, I after the first match, they lost me. The first match was a 10-man tag. So as a wrestling fan, and I'm just starting to get really familiar because I'm paying attention because we're doing this show, but I still didn't know half the guys in the first match, which doesn't mean that this is nothing about ability. I just don't know who they are. And if I don't know who they are, the average wrestling fan's not going to know who they are. So I don't know. Everybody's got their different, their, their own thoughts on that. But um, I, I just, it, 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 it was just a, a good match. It wasn't a great match. Um, and I just, it just lost me. Because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what everybody's doing. Everybody's got their own agenda within, within the content of the match. And it's, it's hard, to, hard to follow. Well, and, I, I and, totally and also, agree. I don't know what I don't know what they accomplished. Well, they, they didn't accomplish anything, to my view. And uh, again, like you said, I had no problem with the work, with the action in the ring. I just didn't know what was going on. No, the, the, kid, the, the, the kids bust their ass. It's got nothing to do with the work. It's just the fact that number one, with ten people, you have to be very careful, especially in these high, uh, these technically high moves that these that kids use. You got to make sure you're landing on an area where there's not another wrestler. It's it's a lot to concentrate on. You're taking well, care of yourself and trying to take care of all the people in the ring with you. And AEW is still bringing in more people. They recently hired Kyle O'Reilly. They brought in Mercedes Martinez. And I'll be honest, I'm not invested in either one. Never have been throughout you know the the past of their careers. But my point is, it's too many people. Like uh, I, what I, I, I I don't know who either one of them is. Well, well, right, there you go. So were they needed? I mean, can they build them into something? Maybe, but they're not going to build them into anything in, in 10-man tags and with sporadic TV time. Uh, I, to me, that's not the way to build them. And I, but, but I've never seen them work, so I can't, I can't, I can't judge their work or what, what they're capable of. Somebody obviously sees something in them. I don't think Tony would just hire them just because he's a good guy. But I do. Really? Yeah, I, I think Tony hires everybody's friends and relies on the element of surprise every week on TV. I think that's his biggest booking device. And there's been so many surprises that you're numb to them now. Like CM Punk's a surprise. Mercedes Martinez is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. No, I agreed. Agreed. So uh, what about the concept of rotating people off TV, which is apparently what AEW plans to do to take people off for – you know, weeks at a time and and refresh them. We've seen that with Miro lately after he lost the TNT title. He's not been on TV. What's your take on that, Nate? Can, can that work? Can that can you become a star being rotated off TV? Um well you can be, you, you can become a star for a short period of time, but to me, especially if you've just lost a big match, you need to be back on it the next day. Because, but unfortunately, I don't, I think that today, some of the kids, when they, they get to a match where it's a big finale, they want time off. And I know that, I don't agree with that either. I think they need to be on TV. The stars that want to be the players. I mean, I can, it's the same 10 people right now at WWE that it was five years ago. Is that good or bad? It's good. It's good. I think that's, that's, how, that's, 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 how you, that, that's how you build their brand. 
Yeah, because I, I so- think so too. And, and uh, the argument I've always made is Ric Flair never got rotated off TV and you never wanted to be rotated off TV, correct? No, I want, I, I wanted to be more part of things as I got older, but that didn't work out for me, but still <laughs> I loved working, you know? Now, um, AEW is going to move to TBS this week uh, from TNT. Do you think that'll affect them at all? Do you think the the audience will follow smoothly? Uh, I, yeah, it's my my understanding though is it's, it's a smaller audience already with TBS, which I didn't realize in TNT. So I don't think it'll affect that much. I I don't know why they're moving. I guess I think the guy that was friends with Tony at, at TNT has moved on. I think part of it's hockey too, Nate. TNT has to deal with the NHL. Oh, okay. And, and the NHL wants more primetime games because Wednesday's the hockey night too. So oh, now good. they can do 8 o'clock games. So I think that was part of it. No, I don't think it'll affect AEW that much, but I, I think there's always some trepidation the first night. Yeah, obviously. But they, they you know, they, they, have a, they, they are producing a consistently good product and I'm, you know, like I said, just because I don't like one match, the way it's situated on the show um, doesn't affect my overall take on the show. I think the show is good. <clears throat> it's getting better. It's going to have its highs and lows, just like Raw and SmackDown do. Yeah, so, I think the show's really good. In fact, it's it's my favorite TV show, but that doesn't mean there aren't cracks. And I'd feel better if they would get that audience over a million consistently. I, I think that's a benchmark for them when they go over a million and they dropped under it again this week. Yeah, I, well, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I will say this. I, this has been a tough week for everybody because of all the football, the yep. bowl games and everything. So I think it's a fair, a better, it's more of a fair assessment this coming week um, because like Raw, I don't think it's a post. Oh yeah, Raw's got a game night, Pittsburgh, okay. Um, but Wednesday, I, you know, I don't. I don't think there's a bowl game Wednesday, and then of course um, next Monday, Ross got the national championship to go up against. So that that's difficult. But um, I think it competition. There's more competition on SmackDown on Friday nights, and more competition on Raw on Monday nights than there is for AEW on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think once Raw gets clear of Monday Night Football and the yeah. NCAA championship game, I think they're gonna. Uh, get a, a higher number, and I think once AEW gets established on TBS, yes, I, I think they'll do uh, maybe a bit better than they have. Now, Nate, uh, by the way, our crack producer Steve Kaufman, who does a great job, did some research. The move for, for from TNT to TBS is actually kind of lateral for AEW. TNT's in eighty-nine million homes, TBS in ninety million. So, well, TBS and more. Same. What's that? TBS has more homes. Slightly more, yeah. Oh, good. Well, Steve, that's why you're here. That's why he gets the big money. Now, uh, I want to talk about a match that AEW had on Friday. They had a women's street fight tag team match, which was very good, but it had lots of blood. Now, I'm not – I don't want to sound sexist here, Nate, but I don't know about the concept of of women blading. I'm a little uncomfortable with that, and frankly, I'm not sure that the whole concept of blading – for men or women, is it antiquated by now? Well, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't ever, as a father, want Charlotte to have to be put in that position. But that doesn't mean that I probably have a different look. And I lived by it. As a matter of fact, as I've said, admitted many times, I couldn't work without one <laughs> sometimes. Um, 
But um, as a father, I, I certainly wouldn't want uh, Charlotte put in that position. And I don't think Vince would ever put any of the girls in that position ever in a, in a WWE show. But then again, I'm not saying the girls may have volunteered. They may have gone to Tony and said, let us do this. You know, the, some of these kids get so wrapped up in, in being a wrestler, which is how you become successful, that they'll do anything. I certainly did when I was young. I didn't care. And the guy said to me, can you cut yourself? I said, hell yeah. He said, what's red is green. You get paid 50 bucks more if you cut yourself. I think I cut myself every night the first year <laughs> for well, $50 yeah, and, extra. I, my point would be when you did it, it was such a great dramatic device because there was more suspension of disbelief. There was more kayfabe. Yes. Now, when these women bladed Friday night, everybody knows they bladed. Everybody knows exactly the process. There is no more kayfabe. So I question the value of it now. Not then, Rick, but now. Um, I, I thinking thinking about it in that context, I think you're probably right. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the fans think of that anymore. I I feel like it. I feel like it depends on when it's done and who's doing it. I mean, it, I can I can carry to you right now my character that I portrayed when I was active, but especially when I was younger, could have bled every night and made it interesting and the fans would have liked it because I knew when to do it. I had blonde hair. It was long. I, I used to whip my hair and throw the blood into the crowd. I mean, <laughs> I'd roll out. I mean, or I'd, you know, it just, I'd make a mess of everybody around me. But I knew when to do it. And and there's nothing better in the fans when you're beating, when you're making that comeback in a guy and the last thing you do is throw him in or boom and something, throw him into the post and boom, now he's bleeding and he's backing up. And that's, that's what people love. Now, uh, WWE had their had their uh, pay-per-view. Actually, I think they're called premiere events now. I'm not sure what the verbiage is. But uh, Saturday was day one. Mm -hmm. And Roman Reigns got COVID and couldn't wrestle. Mm -hmm. uh, Brock Lesnar on that show. So Lesnar got added to a four-way match and won the WWE title. Uh, that's an old formula, isn't it? If you have to change the show around, you have the babyface win the main event. I would think so, yeah. Especially when you lose a major, major, which in this right in our business right now, Roman is the most full-time active. Uh, he and Charlotte are the two biggest stars in the company. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I think that was sorry to throw that off. in there, but they just are. No, no, no question. I agree with yeah. you. And uh, I think that uh, I think that Brock is very interesting as a babyface. Oh, I, I do too. I think it's great. This is his first run as a babyface. Uh, what mm. makes him a good babyface? Because he's just an overwhelming, larger-than-life figure. It's almost Hogan-esque. Yeah, and, or, or even like Steve Austin. Now he comes out and it's like, you just know you're going to see somebody get their ass kicked. You know what I mean? And that's what people like. They like to believe in somebody. I, I mean, as a babyface, you can look at Brock Lesnar not only because he's a phenomenal athlete. And as a matter of fact, he's an incredible athlete. The stuff he can do and the stuff he has accomplished, but the, he they know when Brock's in there that he's going to kick somebody's ass, and that's what fans like. That's what they turn it on for. That gets back to a discussion we've had on the show that might be worth revisiting for a couple seconds here. You look at Brock, and he's real. You look at Roman Reigns, and he's real. You look at Randy Orton, and he's real. These guys are big, muscular. They're larger than life, and I'll be honest. 
I don't see that every time I turn on a TV to watch wrestling. And, and I kind of miss it. And that makes me more invested in a guy like Brock. Oh, myself? You just mentioned three names that are very, very real. Huge. And, and Brock being uh, with the amateur background and the MMA and everything, he brings a lot to the table. So when people are bitching about him getting paid a lot, don't, make, don't mistake the fact that he earns it and, and he uh, deserves it. If I'm not mistaken, Rick, you never worked with Brock, did you? Yes, I did. Five times. Five times, really? Yes. And still alive? Yes, he took care of me. <laughs> what was it like getting suplexed by him? Because that's just, my God. He, hey, hey, he never hurt me. He never hurt me. But I'll tell you this, when he latches on you, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> The, no, no, I, 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 I got I, the first time wrestling was the night when Steve Austin quit in Atlanta, and Vince said, yeah, "You're not, you're not part of the own. You're not." I said, "I thought, it was, I thought I owned Raw." He said, "That was until Steve went home. Tonight you're wrestling Brock Lesnar." So we just sat down, and I just said, "If you just do a few things, you know, sell your eyes." It's like I used to say to Brad, "Sell your eyes, sell your nuts. Listen to me. We'll be okay, and be careful of the F5." <laughs> now was he is he the strongest guy you ever wrestled who's the strongest guy you ever wrestled oh god it would be brock or uh god you know believe it or not in terms of strength in the ring harley race yeah i believe it yeah harley had that core strength man harley, i've seen harley vertically suplex andre and hold him up for about five seconds before i dropped him and that's at 500 pounds. I asked Harley when they came back, I said, did you ask Andre if you could do that? Ask him what? I said, suplex, I'll cover, daddy, kick out on two. <laughs> suplex slam, daddy. <laughs> Well, Harley was one of the few people to body slam Andre. That got, and, uh, and suplex him. Right, right. I mean, Hogan was the first in WWE lore, but, but there are pictures, and I think there's a video. No, Harley, Harley would lift him right. He looked like he was slamming me. Harley just swung him up on his shoulder. Harley was that strong. Let's take a time out here, and while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic. Life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now. But who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one 42 with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. Will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com. 
streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place, goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately. And check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. I sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Look, we're all adults. Some of us use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy Nicotine is a company that was created to help nicotine users find a cleaner option and feel better about the way they consume nicotine. Their latest product is Slim Nicotine Pouches, which contain pure synthetic nicotine and provide the same satisfaction that nicotine users expect, but without any tobacco at all. Lucy Slim Pouches use the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab. I'm talking none of the tobacco, all of the nicotine satisfaction. They come in three strengths, four, eight, and 12 milligrams, and three exclusive flavors, spearmint, mango, and cool cider. I know a bunch of smokers. My mom smoked for 50 years. Lucy products would have been great for her. My buddy Andre uses Lucy, and it's working wonders. What a great alternative. Tell him, Nate. Thank you, Marco. It's 2022. Don't compromise when you're choosing your nicotine products. Go with the newest tobacco-free options from Lucy. Woo! You heard the nature boy. Go to lucy.co and use promo code Flair to get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any other Lucy products. That's lucy.co and use promo code Flair at checkout. Also, I got to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code Flair. Well, Nate, at Hot Shots, just outside St. Louis, Friday, January 28th, and that's two days before the Royal Rumble in St. Louis, 30 years since the Nature Boy won 60 minutes. We're going to have a live Woo Nation Uncensored podcast. All the VIP tickets are sold, but we got some general admission left, and we're going to be shooting. Let's be honest. We're going to be more honest. We're going to say stuff we've never said anywhere else. Absolutely. No, nothing better than responding to a smart ass in a live audience. Ask it, you're going to get the answer. Don't I know it. Don't I love I it. Know it. I can't wait. And by the way, we'll be standing room only by the 28th. Oh, no question. No question. And, and let me, you know, I was, at a, I was at a comedy club here, and then I'm breaking news here to you even. I was at a comedy club in Pittsburgh called The Improv last night, and they want us to come do a live podcast there. And they said, well, we sold out for Mick Foley. And I go, if you sold out for Mick Foley, you'll sell out three shows for us. But just tell them to add a lot more chairs. 
So that that is on. You gotta you gotta go Friday, January twenty eighth. Hot shots just across the border in Illinois, just outside St. Louis. It's Woo Nation uncensored. Two days before the Royal Rumble in St. Louis, you see it there on your screen. O'Fallon, Illinois. And that is something you just don't want to miss. Nate, you know who I just saw? Yeah, uh, and FYI, for everybody out there that's listening, we, we are so booked right now since the, because of the success of St. Louis that there are people that we work with. I'm just telling the audience, we're gonna, we, we could, within six months from now, be doing one live show a month. Oh, no question. No yeah. question. This thing is taking off. And if you got the money, honey, I got the time. Woo! Woo! Hey, you know who I just sounded like plugging a thing? I sounded like Okerland. I miss Okerland. I do. God, who doesn't? Me. Mean by God, Gene. One time on my on my radio, Gene was on my radio show. Remember when he had the burger joint, Mean Gene's Burger? Sure, of course. Well, he said, he comes on the show and I go, Gene, can you tell us about Mean Gene's Burgers? And he goes, well... In a blind taste test featuring Jose Feliciano, Stevie Wonder, and Helen Keller Jr. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he made up all these nutritional facts about me yeah. and Gene Burgers. I go, Gene, yeah. I'd be willing to bet that you made all that stuff up just right now. And he goes, Well, I have been known to throw the bull on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good me and Gene was. He was the best. Now, brother, let me tell you something. You know this, you witnessed it. After Nitro. Mean Gene and I would do a regular rotation of between 10 and 13 dirty martinis, straight up blue cheese olives. <laughs> Nate, please join me for a Martin. <laughs> I was there. I saw it. It was amazing. I was there for three kidney transplants with Gene. <laughs> well, I always thought when Mickey Mantle was dying, I thought that him and Gene sort of switched livers. Yeah, they could have. I said that on the hotline. That was the last yeah. resort. Eric yeah. wasn't crazy about I, that. I'm, don't, I'm donated mine to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just take mine on, throw it against the wall, and watch it shatter. <laughs> now, let's go to our friends and foes segment. We've got a group discussion for the foes. We're going to talk about the Von Erich family in world-class championship wrestling down in Dallas. Now, let's go all the way back to the beginning, Nate. Uh, did you ever work with Fritz Von Erich, who was the patriarch of the family? Never worked with father, nope. Really? Everybody else, everybody else, Chris that included. That surprises me because yeah. he was still working when you started to go down there, correct? Yeah, he was, but he was working, he was mostly in tag matches with the Freebirds. Oh, right, right, kind of comeback things. Yeah. Now, uh, it's amazing how good his three oldest kids were, David, Kevin, and Carrie. Yes. Uh, they all just blossomed and, and popped the territory big time, didn't they? Huge, huge. Now, which of the three... Uh, uh, do, do, you want, do you want me to expound on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Which was the best of the three? You worked all three. David. Which was the best? David. How so? David David could have been world champion and carried it and, and, and carried it off on the road. He was really good. Yeah, I tend to agree that he was the best because back when I was a tape trader and would watch stuff on video, yeah. I saw him work in Florida as a heel. Yeah. And he was a great heel in Florida. Yeah. And you're right. He could have gone on the road and really adjusted he, he, his persona he, depending on who the challenger was yeah, and really said, made it work, like, like you did. Yeah, see, Fritz, the difference between Kerry and, 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 and uh, Kevin, Fritz saw a vision for David and sent David from territory to territory. I traveled with David in Florida a lot and had a chance to talk to him. He was a great kid. And, I mean, when I got the news about him in Japan, I was, I was in shock. 
because I never saw any of that with him, none of it. And I kept him out drinking every damn night, but I never saw any indication that he had a, a, a problem with, uh, with the pills. Well, and, but they're still sticking to the story that it was, what, an intestinal infection or something like that that killed him? But uh, you know, there's, he was, there's he, a lot he, of urban he, legend about that. He couldn't regurgitate. He, could, he was, he was uh, the same thing that caused Elizabeth to pass. Now, uh, the big feud in world-class... He, he had been to, um, uh, what's that famous steakhouse over there? Um, Ribera. He'd been to Ribera and ate a big steak and everything, went back to his room, took a couple sleeping pills, and when he got sick, he couldn't regurgitate. Now, the big feud in world-class was the Von Erickson Freebirds, which lasted, boy, the best part of five years. And the big flashpoint was 1982, mm-hmm. when Terry Gordy slammed the cage door on Kerry's head. Yeah. And that was during a title match against you with Michael Hayes yeah. as uh, as guest referee. I think that was on Christmas night. It uh, was. What was that show like? Because the, the, I saw Riotous. the video. The heat was incredible. Full, full-fledged riot. Full-fledged riot. The only thing that got me through it was Manning, who was, you know, Dave was crazy, not fearless whatsoever. All the boys came out of the dressing room. Um, it, was a, it was a crazy crowd. It was very similar to that night in Atlanta when we turned on Dusty, where the crowd wouldn't let us out of the cage. You know what I mean? So it, it's you're fighting for your life to get out of that place. It was, it was, you know, the way it was in the old days. The cops, the cops were as big a fans as the, as the fans, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not like they were going out of their way to, to knock anybody out with a nightstick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a fight. That was the old reunion arena. It was a fight to get back. Now, when the cage door slammed and it made this incredible noise, which was a big part yep. of getting it over, did you know right then and there it was going to be big? Could you tell? Oh, yeah. The- yeah. Yeah, Kerry and I just had an average match with a lot of drama. And he was so over, just oh, the fans just loved that kid. Like, like Ricky Morton in North Carolina, or like Tommy Rich in Georgia, or trying to think of very few people that had that kind of just, especially in their hometown. And they just loved that kid. And he was handsome and built and a great physique. And, um, you know, we had an average match, but you would think it would have been like, you know, what do you guys call it? some big five-star match? It wasn't by any means, but we did our usual stuff, the press slams. I whacked myself about five times. Um, and Michael Hayes was great in it. And then the drama, the surprise was Terry coming down. But that was that led into uh, so much money. I made, every, time, every time I was in Texas, that whole time that the Von Erich family was healthy, we were sold out everywhere. I, I mean, sold out everywhere. And that From, was a big part of your job as the touring NWA world champion, wasn't yes, it? To be, the, yeah. to be the fulcrum of angles yeah. that you would then leave behind and, and would carry yeah. on. It, yes. it, it reminds me of, of the one we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Mid-South where Ted DiBiase turned babyface. Yeah. Like you were involved and then you left you know, to, to continue touring, but the angle kept drawing money. With Murdoch and DiBiase, yeah, huge. Now, uh, uh, Kerry beat you for the world title in May of 1984. That was Texas Stadium. Yeah. 45,000 fans. Uh, you alluded to this earlier, Nate, but was David supposed to win the title? Was that kind of a favor to Fritz because of what happened with David to give Kerry the belt? 
I don't know David. I don't. I don't know David was always supposed to win. I think they had plans for him to become the world champion, but it was just an opportunity to celebrate David's life. And uh, here's what happened: because they were afraid it would be cold, they ran it at one o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. It was 107 degrees. Oh! Instead of running it that night, we would have been sold out had they done it at night. But by the time Carrie and I got to the ring, they were carrying people off the field from dehydration. So it was a unique experience. It was, it was reunion arena. I'm sitting there. I was changing a Randy White's locker. I mean, it was. No, Texas Stadium. I, I, mean, I mean, Texas Stadium. I was changing in Randy White's locker. I mean, we were in the football locker room. It was really cool for me. And I, I told you the story the night before. I was in Portland wrestling Piper with Red Bastine. So I just got on a plane not knowing what to expect. But to walk into that was pretty damn fantastic. Now, that wasn't a long match if memory serves, was it? Uh, we probably went 20 minutes. And, and Kerry went with but, the backslide. That was kind of out of nowhere. No, nah, that's because that's, we, we knew we could do that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a thought, thought process behind that. <laughs> now, you got the Kerry wasn't back. Fe- Kerry was not feeling that well that day. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that in a second. He was but, very excited. But by the way, what a crowd pop that was when Kerry won. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it definitely delivered the payoff, didn't it? Yes, absolutely. People have forgotten all about the backslide. They just remember <laughs> the moment. <laughs> now, you got the belt back 18 days later in Japan, and we've talked about this before. You said that Kerry was supposed to have a, a longer reign, but he knows so today. The NWA didn't want to take a chance. Well, I don't know whether I, I can't remember. As I told you, I don't know whether he knows so today or, or miss missed a date or whether he was ill. I've heard, you know, I'd have to go back and ask a few questions, which I could do. But all I know was that 18 days later, I was in Japan and they called me and said, we're sending him carry over. And um, I said, man, okay, that's pretty cool. What happened? And of course, you never, you never know what explanation to to believe, but it was, um, you know, anytime I had a chance to be with that kid, he was a great kid, boy. He just, so lovable and so nice and just, but you could just feel the, uh, you knew that there was something wrong. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. You, you, I've you, been you, you, a few times. I was yeah, in the dressing did, room with them once at, uh, yeah. at a, well, at a TWA show in Philadelphia. That was the, the, the precursor to ECW. Yeah. And he introduced himself to me like four times. He kept forgetting that he had already yeah. introduced himself yeah. to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, I, mean, I know other people that, went through the same thing. That's why we use the backslide. Well, well, let's let's stay with that because let's. There were quite a few times you worked with Kerry where he was impaired. I yes. mean, there were some some matches where you had to basically wrestle the match yourself. It seemed, and I saw a few on video. And you, and Nate, I got to tell you, and I'm not making light of the situation. Given the circumstances, it was it was pretty good. Given the circumstances, it was you know, but it's. You know, one time we were in Fort Worth and he, he came to the ring with his boots untied. He was 15 minutes late getting to the ring and his boots weren't laced up. So, and, we, and we're going an hour. But I'll tell you how influential Fritz von Erich was. The next day in the match was absolutely terrible. But when we did do an hour and the next day, um, because Fritz, Fritz had that much influence, it came out in the paper that Kerry had like 104 fever 
and, and didn't know where he was at and just, you know, he, he was brave enough to face the challenge and, and, to, and to challenge me for the world championship. But he should not have been in the ring that night. What do you do when you get to the ring? And, and, that, was, and it was, that it was on TV. It was on TV too. Well, what do you do when you get to the ring and you realize the situation you're in? I look at the referee and say, this is going to be a long night. Truth. And, I, and, and David Manning was a great referee. Now, Kerry had a decent run in WWE. He certainly had the look that Vince likes. Um, oh, my God. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very few guys looked like him. In fact, there was the rumor that if Hulk Hogan hadn't come to WWE, Vince was going to bring in Kerry to, to, to be the Hogan guy. I don't know how true that is, but certainly I, that never, potential I, was I, always there. I've never heard that. I don't think I don't think Fritz would have ever turned Kerry over to Hulk or, or turned Kerry over to Vince. I don't think Fritz would have ever turned Kerry over to Vince. Not even for that kind of opportunity, huh? No, because NWA at that time was still bigger. You know, the, the governing body with Fritz and Eddie Graham and the Funks and Harley Race and Carlos Colon and the guys over over Australia and Japan. I mean, NWA was still a bigger a bigger product than WWE at that time. Now, now, once Hogan got there, of course, that took off like a rocket. I always liked Kevin Von Erich, who was the longest yeah. surviving of the brothers. I thought he had a great look. I talked to I, Kevin periodically. He's, he's in, in Hawaii now. Right, right. And he was a very athletic worker, acrobatic before before his time. And he never really went off the rails like, like the other brothers, as evidenced by the fact that he's still around. Yeah. Yeah, great kid. Stiff. Oh. Really? Those those kicks. <laughs> that running knee, that running knee in the corner. <laughs> oh, wow. I believe he played running back because he ran over me every night. <laughs> <laughs> now we're 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 uh we're carrying David Stiff. How are they as workers no, in that regard? Not, not at all. Whole different ball game. Uh, David was as smooth as could be. Kerry was such a great athlete, but he was very unpredictable. And he would go, I would, I'll give you an example. I would say, Kerry, sell this, boom. I'd chop him, he'd go down, and, and I'd turn around and turn my back on him for a second, which I've told everyone's fundamentally a mistake anyway. But it just, I, th I would think that he would sell it for a second. I would turn around, he'd drop me right in the head. <laughs> I say I didn't. I didn't call that. Where do we go now? <laughs> the story where he lost his foot because of the motorcycle accident and yeah. kept wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I saw that that, that. that really cracked him. Yeah, and and that's a shame because I think if the people had known the truth about it, it might have made him a bigger hero to persevere after such an injury. Because I, I got to be honest. If there was a difference in his work, a major difference after that accident, I didn't notice it. Well, it took him a long time for it to heal up, but no, that nobody knew it. And he, you know, he didn't change the boot in front of anybody. But I think anytime it's like these, like my friend Mongo has got ALS now. When you've been a world class athlete, and Kerry was, you know, he threw the, he was only maybe thirty feet behind a world record in the discus at the University of Houston. When a guy named Mac Wilkins had a district record of 230 feet, I think Kerry was thrown at close to 200 feet, um, which would make him a world-class athlete. When you suffer a, a loss or a, uh, an injury like that, especially when you're basically lost 
you know, a hand or a foot. It, it's, I, to me, I, I can understand why they cracked him. Um, but the thing about Kerry, you can never say anything bad about Kerry. He was such a nice kid. Uh, but um, I've seen him. I've seen him. <laughs> hey, I'll just put it like this. He's the only guy I've ever seen that could hang with Roddy Piper. Ever. What do you mean? Okay, so we're on a flight to Europe. Road Warriors, Nasty Boys, Piper, da da da, all, all the wild bunch, right? We're going to Europe. Okay, so and without saying names, they were shaving each other's eyebrows off while they were all cold and everything else, right? It was Piper and the only two left standing. I'm watching this because I don't, I didn't, I only participated in the booze, as you know. The only two standing left because there was a, 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 a superior competition going on with about eight of the guys. Only two standing were Roddy and, <laughs> and Kerry Von Erich. <laughs> I used to call Roddy, uh, oh God, what do they call him? J John Wesley Harden, the fastest gun in the West. <laughs> no, uh... Only one John Wesley, but Kerry could hang with him. Now, the uh, younger two kids, Mike and Chris, they, they yeah. never should have wrestled, should they? No. No. Well, no but I've tasted something funny. So this is where Mike, I, I, Chris, I don't think, I didn't know he wrestled, but Mike, I wrestled Mike. The stipulation was we went to that 15,000 uh, foot, that 15,000 um, attendance building in Fort Worth. I can't remember the name of it. And I had to beat Mike in 10 seconds. Uh, if I couldn't beat Mike in no in ten ten minutes, if ten I couldn't, minutes, right? I remember this. If I couldn't beat him in ten minutes, then Kerry got a rematch. And here's little Mike, right? Well, he was. They were so over at the end of the ten minutes. I cut myself when he had the claw on me. <laughs> True story. Well, we almost had it. But we, he just had we, so much problem mentally. Oh, he was just too small. He, he, he was Jack Veneno. He weighed 160 pounds. But he was, those Von Eric were so over that if I just got him down for a second, the crowd was going crazy. So I just said, David, just watch this. Because I was supposed to have him in a figure four, and he's being so tough, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give up, right? So I said, screw this. <laughs> and of course, they all hollered at me afterwards. But as we sold out arena, the arena, arena a week later, or whatever it was, a month later. But I, he was so over that I said, I don't need to put the figure four in him. I said, Mike, throw me in the ropes, drop kick me, and go go to put or take a roll outside, post me, roll me back in, and put the claw on me. So he threw me in the ropes, drop kicked me, which he was a good drop kicker. I rolled out to the floor, he threw me in the post, I zapped myself, threw me back in. I said, put the claw on me. He said, What? You're supposed to pick a board. I said, Mike, put the claw on me. He put the claw on me and I fought it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the people went crazy. You, that was great. Uh, the people went crazy. Yeah. Why would I put the figure four in a guy when he's when they're tearing the building down, right? Now that territory fell apart in a hurry. Uh, it's a shame because it had great talent and great TV. We yeah. talked about Keith Mitchell earlier. Uh, I don't know if it would still be around today the way wrestling's gone, but but at one time that was one of the biggest territories going, wasn't it? Absolutely. They were deep in town. If Gino Hernandez. They had the, the Freebirds. I was there on a regular basis, like once a month. Um, 
Chris Adams. I mean, they were loaded with uh, Billy Jack Haynes was there in and out. Um, trying to think, I think Ethereo still came in at once in a while. Iceman King Parsons was there. Yeah, yeah. They get the some King guys was, from Memphis to come down, as I recall. Yeah, the King while. was there. Yeah, I mean, they had a great rotation. And, and uh, Mantel was a good booker. Um, not Dutch, um, Ken, Ken Mantel. Ken Mantel, right. Yeah. And, uh, good, you know, good. The, the thing that was sad was that, you know, I would, you know, we would talk about this, Ken and I would say, Ken, Jesus, you just need to go talk to Fritz. And, you know, having lost a son to um, the same issue those boys were had, a little different. I'm not sure what the chemical, what their choice of chemicals was, but. I mean, you know, I was in I was in denial, but my my son wasn't getting in the ring impaired every night. You know what I mean? And uh, it just it just it, Fritz just you know like I, he wouldn't hear of it. That, y'all, you're imagining this. That not my carry. Not not my. You know what I mean? So we saw it. You know, we saw we saw it coming, never to the severity that that it ended up being, but. It just was working with Michael Hayes and I sat back all the time and think, Jesus, you know, Mike, what, what the hell can we do? And there's nothing you can do when the father won't listen to you. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Well, those are the foes. Let's go to today's friend. It's going to be Bill Goldberg. Yes. Who still has, who still has uh, I was talking to him all weekend. He wouldn't leave me alone. He was in Miami when I was there. <laughs> well, he still has one more match left in WWE at Good. 55. So you got to give the guy credit. He's had Hell yes. power, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. And he, he represented the business so well on, uh, um, on what, what's my favorite show on Saturday morning? Um, the football with Herb Street and those guys. Oh, uh, game day. Game day. He's re-represented the company. He had the belt, three-piece suit on. I, I texted him. He looked like a million man. And then uh, he was down there. He, he didn't know I was in Miami at the Hard Rock. So he was texting me back and forth. <laughs> and of course, he knew that I went over to see Harbaugh, so he wouldn't let me live that down. <laughs> well, not now he won't. Yeah. No, God. Well, he didn't let me live it down that night. He sent me a picture. When it was 14 nothing. he sent me a picture of the scoreboard. <laughs> well... And it didn't get no better, but uh, no. but Bill was a real phenomenon, and maybe by accident, Nate. I'm not sure WCW knew what they had with Bill initially. No, I don't think they did either. But thank God they were smart enough to run with it as long as they did. They could have gone with Bill forever, you know. Bill Bill's another guy that th- thrown into the fire without without time to really develop his skills. But I will say this about Bill, as stiff as the son of a bitch is, 
And as many times as he'd kicked my head off or drilled me, he's one of the nicest guys in the business and has remained nice. And, you know, he's humble, he's respectful. And, uh, you know, I just tell him when I see him, I go, look at man, just take care of yourself and your family because you can't take these 30 and 60 days extended breaks and keep coming back and wrestling it at a high level. Does that make sense? Yeah, but his yeah. matches usually shortened to the point, and that's what got him over in the first place. Now. No, I know, but I meant, I meant when I said, I said, I, I, my advice to him was, as long as you're under contract, be prepared for him to call you, which they have. You know, I, I won't give you an example, but Vince called him a week before he wanted to wrestle. He hadn't worked, he hadn't trained to wrestle. He's always working out, but the difference cardio-wise yep. between, does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Yeah, a bit, you, you've got to get that cardio in because man, in the ring, the cardio is everything. I've seen it break, guys, including myself. When I ran out of gas, when I got older and I'd have a hard, harder time getting my heart rate up, and I, first, until I, like, I could do 300 squats, my heart rate would only go up to, like, let's say, 80, as opposed to 150. Where each. So it was hard getting your second win sometimes. I mean, I would blow up terrible. When I was younger, it was a non-issue. But once you start doing it in a more sporadic period of time, in, in, then, then it gets the best you can hear, and you think to yourself, man, you know, I mean, you spend more time thinking about are you going to be able to make it through it like I did with Sean at WrestleMania 24 when I know I'm in the best shape I could possibly be in at 59, which I was in great shape. I did shit that people will never be able to do it when you're 59 in, in preparation for it cardio-wise. Yeah, I was, a, I was a cosmetic nightmare, but my cardio was doing some ridiculous stuff that people that know me and have trained with me, have seen me do. But when you second guess yourself on just being able to catch your breath, you forget about the content of the match. And it's, it's a terrible uh, it, loss, loss of, um, God, what's the word? When you lose your confidence and you get sidetracked thinking about other things, you're never going to be the performer you were. And, well, and whether, and, and one, of, one of being, if you're worried about getting hurt, which you're never worried about that but not worrying about blowing up and not being who I was 20 years before, which was a lot of pressure to put on myself. When you lose that little bit of confidence, it can change your whole mindset and your whole game plan around. And unless you've been a wrestler, you shouldn't even be able to comment on it. So anybody that listens out here that's got a podcast and hasn't been in the ring and hasn't bounced around or wrestled an hour or done anything, they shouldn't be able to even comment on what it's like to be in that position because it's horrifying. It's, it's like, I'll give it something you'll relate to. Chris Simon jumped on Bob Probert at the end of a shift. It made Chris Simon famous, right? Oh, it did. But, but like you said, Probert was at the end of a shift. And end of a shift. Well, a lot of people, a lot, but you know, a regular hockey fan doesn't know what that means. That means he'd been out there for two minutes, was completely blown up. And Chris Simon jumped on Probert, right? So well, he knew became, what he was doing. Yeah, but but you and I as hockey fans know it. The regular fan watching goes, oh, Chris Simon beat the shit out of Bob Probert. Well, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so no. When, I, you know, so when I see a guy in the ring, you never you know whether, whether he's struggling with what, worried about getting hurt, whether he's struggling with trying to keep up, whether he's blown up. Unless you've been in that, it's really hard to understand and make people understand what it's like. Uh, or a guy, you know, can you imagine these receivers running these 80-yard routes and coming back to the huddle and running out 80 yards again? 
I mean, it's conditioning's a big deal in sports. Well, g- getting back to Bill, I one thing I loved about Bill's run in WCW was it showed how simple wrestling could be. Yeah, he had the look, he had short matches, he had the winning streak. End of story. It wasn't much more complicated than that, was it? No, exactly, exactly. And I was, I think I was about in that 160, I was probably nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first one? Who was the first guy he beat? I can't remember. Bill DeMott, you Morris. Oh, that's right. Uh, how do you know that? I, I saw it online somewhere. Oh, I, yeah. uh, it, it's funny because uh, that was one of Terry Taylor's terrible punny names. Like, you know, he, he wanted us to pronounce it humorous. Yeah. Because he was the laughing man. I go, no, his name's. You Morris. Yeah. The it's last like thing this. I the last thing I saw online last week was six reasons why Ric Flair is not the GOAT and why Chris Jericho is. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I don't think that's accurate to you. <laughs> Absolutely Jericho's good not. though. Jericho's good. You gotta give him credit. I didn't There's say it wasn't good. I, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm saying at 72, people are still writing articles about me. When they're writing articles about Chris Jericho when he's 72, show me one. <laughs> Now, um, I, I must have impressed somebody. <laughs> well, you impressed me. God knows. Look, here we are. Now, one thing about Bill that was great, and I know you appreciate this. I, when I was an announcer, I liked calling Bill's matches. Yes. Because you could call them like a shoot. He was mm-hmm. so real. There was nothing it was about him. Mark, it was real with him. Well, you know it what was, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Bill, didn't. he only knew one thing. Boom. Power jam. Hammer. I used to go, he and, he and Lesnar both, I'm like, please be careful. <laughs> well, was Bill safe? Because, you know, Bill is known for giving Bret Hart that kick in the head, which, you know, contributed to Bret not wrestling anymore. How safe was Bill to work with? Um, well, to me, he was, to me, he was very safe. I've been kicking the head by him too. I don't, I don't know whether, you know, it, it, everybody's going to get kicked or hit in the head. So, what may have affected Brett, unfortunately, probably had, did not affect me. But we all get kicked in the head. Are you kidding, Mark? We get kicked in the head. We get our ribs. We get, you know, cracked vertebrae, cracked ribs. It's wrestling's a very physical, tough sport. And that, you know, when people, the people that don't understand that, um, um, it's it's just it's, it's ridiculous because no matter whether it's choreographed or not, these kids put their bodies on the line every day, and when you do it six to seven days a week, sometimes now for these guys four days a week at least, it, you're putting your body out there. It's hard, and you've got to keep up with it. You know. Now um, two things that another thing that was great about Bill was his entrance and his music. I oh, thought that was perfectly sure. produced. For how sure. much does that mean to a performer, and how much did it mean to Bill? Um, well, I just thought, number one, Bill, Bill's look was so awesome. Wait, just at the right time, he came out. He was different than everybody. Um, but his music, his entrance, and then but the, they were conditioned. I, I call it conditioned. The fans were conditioned to know they were going to see something that was action-packed with Bill, whether it was... 10 seconds or 10 minutes. Something big was going to happen. Now, I think they made two mistakes with Goldberg. Let me run them both by you. I think when he beat Hogan for the title on Nitro, I think you got to have that match on pay-per-view. 
I just don't think you give away what you could sell and really pop a pretty high dollar figure. Yeah, I don't know. At that time, you've got to remember, they were fighting the ratings with WWE. And that, that, that they they knew the pay per views. I don't know how they were drawing. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have access to that. But they were so conscious of that Monday Night War thing. I'm sure that was the reason it was on TV. Well, I'm sure it was too. But I don't know if you give away money for that, which is what they did. Well, that's one of the reasons the company's not here. They gave away money. They gave it to employees as well. Everyone except me. <laughs> Yeah, they were thrifty with you, right? Thrifty, yeah. <laughs> and the other mistake I think they made was I thought they beat Bill Goldberg too soon with that cattle prod finish. I mean, like you said earlier, that winning streak could still be going. I mean, you could have kept that going indefinitely. He was that kind of performer and had that kind of belief from the fans. Absolutely. But then again, Mark, I was so far removed from that decision-making process, and I was so, you know, we were just, Aaron and I were just downtrodden. They were just, we were trying to figure out how to survive. So I don't, I don't know what input or, you know, what made that go on. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't think I paid that much attention to it. Well, there's was, always the story that Kevin Nash booked himself to beat Goldberg. But as Kevin's pointed out recently, uh, he wasn't the booker. He did not make that decision. Uh, again, that's, you know, no knock on anybody. Kevin was obviously a great performer yeah. and a credible world champ when he had the belt. But uh, I just would not have beat Bill. I don't remember. I didn't know Kevin beat Bill. I thought I thought, I thought he beat Hogan, but it, it doesn't no, matter. No, no, Kevin. Kevin beat Bill with the cattle prod thing, and then Hogan beat Kevin with that finger poke. Oh, the cat with the interference from uh, Scott. Scott Hall. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I remember. So, now, uh, were you surprised Bill went to WWE, and how, and how do you rate his tenure there? Um. Well, I was kind of involved in that because Vince asked me if I thought Bill, if Bill would, could succeed up there, and I said most definitely. I don't think his first run was as good as the second, his last run. Um, you know, you took time off, and, and, and when he came the last time, Sean, Hunter, myself, Dave, Rand, the first time, right? They, they had a ton of guys to feed Bill. And, and that's basically what I would do. I probably wrestled Bill more times in WWE when I, when I was in my 50s than I did, you know, back in uh, the 90s at WCW, um, as did um, Hunter. And we, I mean, we all just fed Bill. But, you know, it was a pleasure to do it. Bill was a good guy. And I think he, I think he left uh, on not real good terms the first time, but he came back this time. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like I say, the guys that made a name for themselves that mean something 10 years after they've been removed and can come back and mean something, those are the guys that are special and the fans should recognize that. Whether they like their work, whether they're critical of it or not, they deserve it. And, and Bill's made, Bill has made himself worth this every time he's come back. Now, uh, one thing I never realized till researching for this show Bill wasn't the first guy to use the spear, but he might have been the guy to first really popularize it. Uh, when he when he used that spear, I don't know what it felt like, but it looked like a ton of bricks. Oh, no, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He weighs 280 pounds. What do you think it felt like? <laughs> well, the point is it got over. I mean, yeah, it, it just looked it, devastating, it and I guess it was. It was. It wasn't like Edge. <laughs> Edge's spear. I did it. Which, way, which, which way do you want me to lean, uh, Adam? 
Bill, <laughs> he could hear nothing. Spear, <laughs> jackhammer. <laughs> okay. Now, Bill didn't work five-star matches like we talked about earlier. And it's good to remember that because it goes to show you don't have to work five-star matches to get over. I mean, people like to watch him. I know I do. He, he drew money. it's integral. No, he drew money. Five-star matches mean nothing if you're not drawing money. I wish more people would know that today. Well, I mean, yeah, we've seen a lot of five-star matches that don't, that don't draw money. A five-star according to who again? I mean, everything is like, who said that? And it's, I hate the word they. Who's they? Well, we um, know who Meltzer. Well, what, what we're also, believe it, I think there's a lot more people that have a voice in wrestling that don't deserve to have one than, than Dave. Uh, I'm, you know, like I say, Dave, like you, has legitimately followed it. You're not some guy coming in out of nowhere that's starting to catch up on the history of wrestling by watching YouTube. You know, the guys that have followed it and pay attention to it closely, as you and I talk about with hockey, if you look at 30 years of it and we love it, we talk about it, and we could talk about it forever. It's these people that come like, come in and then try to catch up on the history of wrestling through YouTube or through Vince's library that should never have really should never have a word to say about it. Now you, can, uh, you can't you can't catch up on it if you didn't watch it and didn't live it. Who would you compare Bill to from back in the day? Was anybody reminiscent of Bill back near the start of your career? Um. Wow. Because this, this really kind of yeah, no, realized what the I, I think, was. I think Bill was pretty unique, you know. Um, when I started my career, who was like that? I, I can't think of anyone that, that had that, that style. I'm not sure anybody that big was that athletic back yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. And um, had that had that real, I mean, you know, Bill Bill was a Georgia Bulldog. He, he all, was an all, NFL all, player. All. Two-time two all is not just a bulldog. Yeah, right. So he had that legitimacy. Yes. Yeah, I'm now, trying to think. Um, yeah, I can't think of guys when I started were like, there were certainly as tough as Bill, maybe in a lot, guys like Wahoo McDaniels and that. They, but those guys, in those days, they wouldn't, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have let Bill do that. So Bill wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have been spearing Blackjack Mulligan or Harley Race. <laughs> so Har Harley would have said, come up with something that works for both of us. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't think anybody would be spearing Jack Briscoe. When I started the business, the guys were a little different. And they were, and they, you certainly weren't going to beat Harley Race in 10 minutes. <laughs> NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Whew. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at Savewithconrad.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Super Speciosa, which is Kratom, something many of you may already know about. Kratom is an all-natural herb related to the coffee plant. It's been used in Thailand for centuries. It helps energize your mind and relax your body. 
Super Speciosa is Kratom with just one ingredient. Pure Kratom Leaf, which helps you feel good without feeling impaired. Tell them, Rick. Mark, we know a lot of people who are in pain from taking a lot of bumps through the years, and many of them rely on benefits from Kratom for pain relief. That's right, Nate's pain relief. Taking it as a pre-workout or even when you might just need a little extra courage. I've tried it, and it really is something you can take it and you feel good, but you're not impaired. You can function. Superleaf.com slash flare is where to go, and you've got plenty of options. For beginners, we recommend the capsules because they're easy to use. If you're looking for a strain recommendation, the green are the most popular at superleaf.com slash flare. That's right, Mark. Try Kratom now and get 20% off. Go to getsuperleaf.com slash flare and get 20% off with promo code flare. That's F-L-A-I-R. This is 100% satisfaction or your money back guaranteed. That's getsuperleaf.com slash flare and get 20% off with promo code flare. F. L-A-I-R. And by the way, that's not just a one-time offer. You can use that code on multiple purchases, even if you've used it before. Quick disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Get superleaf.com slash flare and get 20% off with promo code flare. Woo! Let's jump ahead to talking about some of the modern day wrestlers. And I want to start with Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Now, last week, we didn't know who the Intercontinental champ was. Turns out it's Nakamura. Now, I had high hopes for the guy when he came over from New Japan, and he's a great talent, but he's kind of wound up in the middle of the card. He has, but it's not because of lack of talent. The kid has got a ton of talent. I mean, and he's the kind of guy, that, and he's legitimately tough. You know that, Mark, right? Oh, for sure. No, no, legitimately tough. He's right. a tough, real tough kid. You'd never know it. He's so kind and polite. You know, just like like Oscar's a, a lady and a half, but she's tough. The kids that come over there from Japan that have been brought up, brought into the business the hard way are always going to be incredibly tough mentally, and they're going to be good athletes, and they're going to be technical. And this kid, this kid can wrestle technically. He can wrestle wide open. He, he can punch and kick. He's smart in the ring. He carries himself like a champion. I, I think a lot of them. Why do some guys like him get way over in NXT, but don't get over to the same degree in WWE? They don't get the same push. Think it's that simple? Yep. You gave, if you gave Nakamura Paul Heyman, you know what I mean? And, and, and refined his gimmick to the point where it would be really a, a, a demographic that everybody could deal with. Deal with. Uh, Nakamura could get over. He'd have to change his style around a little bit, but he's got the ability and the and the and the, and the talent to do that. But he could be he could endless. Well, it might be too late now because he's been here so long. But it all depends on how you come in. But I, I just don't. I, one thing I, he has stayed who he is. I mean, some of the guys have been five different people. You know what I mean? I, I look at Seth. He's been. I love the te- I love the architect. I thought that was great. And then it was the disciple, and now it's the drip or some damn thing. Or and, and now I'm not sure what he's doing. But I think the people that stick with one, when they find their groove, if they stick with one and they stay with it, 
and they're going to enjoy the most success. And, uh, you know, it's not just about marketing, but you want to be viewed by the, in the eyes of the fans as someone that has just stayed who you are. And every time you change, it's because you're not happy with, or the office isn't happy with what you're doing. Now, when you say Nakamura could refine his gimmick, what do you mean? What would you add to it or change about it? Well, if he had just come over, I, I would, the first couple of times out, I'd, I'd have him in a suit and I'd have a guy like Heyman talking for him. And then I gradually would start to work in, and I would make sure that he was working in a ring with guys that were technically good, where he could really display his, his wear. And he has a lot of them. And then I would go from there. Yeah, I, I'm not positive he could be, you know, the biggest star of all time. I didn't, I didn't say that, but I think that, that he could mean a lot more to the show than he does because I think he's got a, a ton of talent. Now, and, uh, and, 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 he, and by the way, he, he means a lot to me when, when he's on. I watch, so you know, I don't turn him off. Now, you you mentioned talking. Uh, is it tough for a Japanese wrestler who can't speak English to get past the language barrier? Yes. Does the lack of promo ability hurt, and how bad yes. does it hurt him? I, I I think it's hurt him. Yeah, because it's not skill. It's like Oscar. Uh, if Oscar could was a world class talker, God only knows where Oscar be. I mean, she's had a hell of a run, but Oscar to me is the kind of person unless she'd asked for time off that should never never not be on TV. Well, and they kind of made her into a cartoon character, for better or worse, didn't didn't they? With the kind of, uh, I, I don't know how to describe the way she talks, but it's kind of sing-songy and, like I said, cartoony. Well, that's because that's the way they write. That's the way that they feel that she can, that she can uh, come across. Does that make sense? Rather than trying to put together a, a, a dead, serious promo that, that is hard for her probably to say in English, they give her short lines that are humorous or uh, and I don't look at that as being a cartoon because she's so damn good in the ring. I mean, to me, Oscar can say anything or do anything. And she's so damn good in the ring, it doesn't matter. Because whatever she says, people forget about it the minute she's out there kicking someone's ass, which she can do. Now, we mentioned that Nakamura is the Intercontinental Champ, and we didn't even remember who that was last week. The Intercontinental Belt doesn't mean what it used to, does it? Well, you know, they made such a big deal of it. I think Pat was the first guy to ever have it, and they made such a big deal for years. Uh, you don't hear much about it now, no. It, and it, but, uh, you know, it's obviously, a, it's a very prestigious, anybody wants to be the champion. Um, but no, it's not, I don't think it's recognized and is highly thought of, because I think they've moved it around a lot. You know, the, one of the reasons that Roman is so over is they've left the title on Roman for a period of time. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, and I'm, that's and it's well-deserved. But keeping the title for a period of time is what makes you different. Just dropping around back and forth, you know, figuring out what works one day, what doesn't work the next, trying to get somebody over. I mean, you know, it's like I said, that night, that that. Ashley had just won the title, and um, I can't think of the little girl's name. It's so cute with the mask. Um, oh, uh, Nikki. Yeah, Nikki. When Nikki crossbody after that after that world class match, crossbody her one, two, three. I, I just I couldn't figure out what in God's green earth they could possibly be thinking. 
Yeah, I agree. The belt needs to stick with people to make the belt mean something. But what, but what, 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 what did it, what, as, aside from making Nikki, who I think is lovely, this is not personal. What did that do for the belt? And boy, you talk about taking going from who did who did Charlotte wrestle that night for the title? Oh, was it um, Ray Ripley? Ray Ripley tore the joint down, tore it down. Rhea can work her ass off, and then to have Nikki dive off the top rope with her mask. You've taken a great match, a little, literally a great match, and given it a cartoon finish for what? No, I'm, I'm with you, and I, I, no, I really, that, what, what, what? I mean, you tell me one thing they accomplished for that. They didn't. Nothing. Yeah, uh, I, I still can't get over that. Now, uh, when there's two world titles like they have in WWE, the Universal. I title think I said something about that too that pissed the people off. <laughs> They got the universal title and the WWE title. And, and that when you have two world titles, then the, the intercontinental title isn't secondary, it's tertiary. It means so much less when, when it's third on the list. Well, yeah, but you have to remember this, Mark. If they don't have if you're gonna have two brands, you gotta have two champions. I get that. See, you know, in the old days you had you could have two brands, but there was only one champion. And the champion would, and to me, if 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 I was booking this, the champion would work both brands. Yeah, me too. You know what I'm saying? But then, then they then they don't have, then they don't have the uh, the opportunity. See, the minute the minute that um, Roman beats Big E, it diminishes the Raw title. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I yeah. said, I. I have totally so, so, track so, of who their champions are, so that that says. Well, well. it's it's no, it's Big E. Now, 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 Brock having it. No, now Brock doesn't have Roman's hat, does he? No, Brock won. See, there we go. The confusion. Brock Brock has as Big E's title. Yeah, so I'm saying. So now the two big, champs are Brock and Roman. Yeah, another big match with Brock and Roman. That's money. Well, but how do you do that and keep the titles separate, Nate? Well, you don't do it for a long time. You know, that, that we're talking about WrestleMania or something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, but then, like I said, every time they combine the titles, they split them apart again, and I think that devalues as well. <clears throat> well, it might devalue to guys like you and me who watch it, but to the to the bank, uh, to their to their bank account, and the WWE's success with huge promotions, and the way they do it, you can never knock the success that they that they that it's brought them. So being the NWA champion, I went from territory to territory to territory. And you, and you hope that you left the place in, in a better place than you got there when you arrived. But th there's so much money involved in the sum market. I'm sure <clears throat> they, they're making decisions that are based on what's financially right for the WWE. And keep in mind, the kids are making a lot of money. So there sh shouldn't be anybody bitching. Now, I want to talk about uh, a kid named Braun Breaker, who's an NXT, and he's Rick Steiner's son, which is so obvious. They yeah. have seen him. He looks yeah. like him, works like him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Robbie's kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Where do you get him? Oh, God, we've talked to him before. I think he's great. I've only seen him twice, but I just, he's, to me, he should be on the roster right now. I think so, too. And uh, like I said, the, the resemblance is just uncanny. Is WWE doing the right thing, not exploiting the kids' connection to Rick and Scott? I, I used to think they should do that, but 
but this way seems to be working. Yeah, I, I, I haven't heard that it's not, and I don't know what I don't know the answer to why they're not either. But uh, if nobody's if nobody's changing it around, and it, it's a whole different name, a whole different situation, and the kid is a hell of an athlete. So Jesus, I mean, and I, like I, I guess he's only had like twenty or twenty five or thirty matches, but to me, he, you know, and he, he's one of those guys. He kind of reminds me of, of Kurt and the fact that he's. He's um he, he he doesn't blow up, he just keeps going, he's strong, you know, and that's hard to do when you're young to get in there. But I definitely would I would definitely give him a break on one of the rosters and get him going. Well, I'm totally uh, I, I I haven't heard him interviews, so I don't know what his interview's like, but they're they're okay. They're, I mean, you know, he's yeah. he's a little bit green in that regard, but they're not terrible. And I gotta tell you, I'm told he works very safe. And again, talking about what we did before with a guy like Brock. I like that physical, heavy kind of style. I yeah, like when I can I do suspend this belief. And I, I do think too. with him, I can suspend this belief. Yeah, I do too. It'd be safe. I love it. <laughs> less super kicks, more suplexes, Nate. What do you think? Uh, less super kicks, more suplexes? Yep. Yeah. You know his work I really like is that Gable kid. Oh, my God. But I think his time's come and gone. I think he's been in the middle or the bottom middle for too long. But I think he's uh, well, great. I don't know that he'll ever go past the bottom middle, but I think he's a great hand to have on the show. No question. Yeah, no he question. can work. He can work with anybody. And the kid, that match he had uh, with um, what's Randy's partner's name? Uh, R- Riddle. Riddle. Yeah, Riddle, that, right. was, that was that was phenomenal. Yeah. Now, is Braun Breaker a future world champ, or have we not seen enough of him to say that yet? I haven't seen enough of him to say that yet. But I, I certainly would be, I, if I was Vince, I'd be really hands-on with him because he could be a big star. Nobody throws a, throws a suplex like a Steiner, do they? You, you no. took a few of those. Yeah, but, you know, actually, they're very safe. I never had a problem with them. Rick, 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 Rick Steiner used to give me the best backdrop I ever took in my life next to Animal. Now, some, uh, guy, some guys just know how to time you and how to put you up the right way. Now, uh, we're going to talk about one more guy, and we've not seen him for a while, and uh, Elias, who's yes. a Pittsburgh guy from Plum, Pat McAfee's neighborhood. And, again, he's been off TV, and that's a shame because I think he's a real talent. He's a big guy with some skills. Yeah, I do, too. Is he injured? You know, he's had some injury issues. I don't so know. So, I don't know. For a while, they just had him out there with the guitar doing his songs, and it got over. But after a while, that's all they wanted him to do. And I think that sort of thing has a shelf life. It does. You know that um, he graduated from Penn State. I know. Yeah. Um, you know how he paid for his college career? Independent wrestling. Yeah. He wrestled at this uh, IWC promotion right outside yeah. of Pittsburgh. I, I saw him wrestle many times. He was, yeah. what was his no. name back then? He was Logan Shulo. And his nickname yeah. was Heavy Metal Jesus. Yeah. No, he's good. He's he, He's got a gift to playing the guitar. Anybody can do that kind of stuff. I mean, some of the, the best stuff I ever see on TV was The Rock serenading Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That was great. Like, when a guy like Elias disappears from TV for a while for whatever reason, how much does that hurt and how hard is it for him to regenerate his momentum? It all depends on the pencil. Well, what kind of chance do you give him? Of of becoming a megastar again, 
Well, I'm not sure he ever was a megastar, but okay, can, he drift? can he can he get back in the mix? Okay, always get back in the mix. Yes, most certainly. He's got talent. Now you never played a musical instrument, did you, Nate? No. Because you you could have been Ricky Rhodes, the singing cowboy. Yes, I know. But I couldn't sing. Well, Ram and Ricky Rhodes. Right. Sorry. I should know my history better. Next, yes. before we wrap this up, we got to talk about it again. We got this live podcast coming up Friday, the 28th in Japan at Hot Shots in O'Fallon, Illinois, just outside St. Louis. And you and St. Louis wrestling go way back, don't you? Yep. One of my favorite towns. It was the home of the NWA. And when I was young, if you got invited to wrestle in St. Louis, it was a, you were in a, in a privileged place in the world. Sam Muchnick, right? Sam Muchnick, but, you know, the guys, and you think about this, I've wrestled Pat O'Connor, Gene Kaniski. I mean, David, I mean, I've wrestled Harley. I mean, Jack Briscoe, Terry Funk. The names of guys that I wrestled in that town, you know, oh, just over the years has been phenomenal. And I'm, and I'm, anytime I go back, I'm so honored because of the memories and the good times and, you know, it was the, the landing and then over to East St. Louis to Oz and Pops. They're both still there. <laughs> watching Bobby Orton, uh, watching Bobby Jr., Randy's dad, getting carted off to jail. <laughs> now, uh, I, I, I've seen it all. By the way, Nate, I have to issue a correction. Uh, we got something wrong a couple weeks back. You were, in fact, the Missouri State champion. I was? Yep. Well, God dang, that's just another title eluded me. My, eluded For a my couple mind. months. Well, yeah. I mean, given St. Louis wrestling, that's a big deal, right? That title. Oh, huge. That, that's the second pay scale. Yep, it is. Absolutely. Well, Nate, we've done it again, and I can't wait for St. Louis. Woo! We did some shooting. We did good. Yeah, we've been easy. What, we've, uh, been, what, we've, been, we've been nice to everybody. I'm not totally sure about that. What, um, what, 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 uh, who are you going to root for now? Who's your NFL pick? Buccaneers, Rams, or, or Packers? How about Antonio Brown yesterday? Tell me. I don't know. Hey, I witnessed it hey, for years here in Pittsburgh. Listen, I knew listen, he was it, nuts, but he went over the over the line, over yeah. the edge yesterday. Hey, see, it, it doesn't just happen in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that they shot a hell of an angle yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they did. I, I don't think there's a payoff though, and certainly not no, no. for Antonio Brown. No. That is Ric Flair. I'm Mark Madden. Thank you for checking out Woo Nation Uncensored. Tell him, Nate. Woo! Woo! St. Louis, here we come.